Last week we talked about worship. Today we're going to talk about words. Ooh, words, words, words. Not just the word, but our words. Okay, nobody lean over to their spouse and say, honey, get the car, I'll get the kids. Don't, don't do that, okay? Stay with me. Because I think, I, think, uh, I think I'm going to be able to help you with God's power through God's word. So uh, let's read these verses, four verses that Jesus gave us. He spoke a lot about words and the power of them. It's found in Matthew chapter 12. We'll put it on the screen for you note takers. Um, I would love for all of you to take notes. I believe God speaks that way. Here it is in Matthew 12 verses 33. It says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. Jesus is really trying to grow in popularity right there. He's like, he's really trying to make it um, hard not to follow him. And what he's saying is to these religious people, which is who this is addressed to, he was saying, you're more of sons of the serpent than you are sons of God in this moment. Like externally, you're presenting yourself well, but I can see your heart and I know your mind. And it's more of the kingdom of darkness than it is the kingdom of light. So he really encourages them with that. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word. They have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Praise God. I'm glad you came to church today. <laughs> Seriously, we're, we're going to dive into the severity of words because it is severe. It is a reality we have to face, and we have to take inventory. And as I've had to do it all week, waiting for this moment, just letting the Lord convict me of my own mouth. When you do this, as your contribution to the body of Christ, it can be a gift, but if it gets unredeemed or gets out of God's hand, it cannot be a gift. And so I've had to, no pun intended, eat these words all week long, purify my heart, and ask God to continue to purify my heart so that I could share it with us and we can continue to grow and go on this journey. Does that sound fair? It's amazing how we try to reform our mouth without letting the Holy Spirit transform our heart. It's amazing to me how I find myself, maybe you can relate, working harder on who I'm pretending to be than letting the Holy Spirit purify me from the inside out. We, we present externally behavior modification, but God's really wanting to take it a step further and allow us to experience internal transformation. You see this in church culture, if you've ever been around Church people, uh, it's where we, we, we yelled at each other all the way here. Everybody was kicking and screaming. We've been raising hell all week, right? Can I be honest in church? And we get up in this room and we're like, praise the Lord. God bless you, brother. Amen. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored, right? We, God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. We know how to talk the talk. But are we walking the walk when no one's looking? And I think Jesus would say, as we like to say, favor ain't fair. I think he would say fake ain't fruit. And that you can present one thing to people, but God is looking not at the outside, Samuel says. 
God's looking at the heart. And so in Matthew 12, Jesus uses a metaphor to illustrate this for us. And he uses the heart as an example of the tree in this text. And he uses our mouth as an example of the fruit. And not only does he say it's good and evil, like it's black or white, like it's this or that. But he says even the empty words. In other words, he's not just saying you're saying good words or evil words. But he's saying even the words you speak that are purposeless, that, have, that are idle, that too much talk. It just You're going to give an account for those too. And that's kind of convicting. It's like, wow, praise God for church. One pastor used to tell me, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. You ever heard that? Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's coming up and coming out eventually. So why don't we just allow the Holy Spirit to do the internal work today so that we can have the fruit God desires on our mouth because our words, they matter. And I want to give us three truths. And if you know anything about truth... There's always an accompanying lie that you could believe if you choose not to believe the truth. Just like when there's a pro, there's a con. When there's an advantage, there's always a disadvantage. When you're living in faith, it's not like fear's non-existent. No, it's right there asking you to focus on it instead of faith. And so I want us to look through three truths of God's word about words, and then I'm going to expose the lie that wants to counter that truth. Does that make sense? So here's the first truth, and I'm going to give, give you the first one together with the lie. The first truth is this. Words are costly, like they have a price. But the lie we want to believe, no, they're free. It, it really doesn't matter what I say because words don't matter. They're free. No, no, no. God would say no. They have weight to them because when you say things, it doesn't just land on people's ears. It lands on their hearts. It lands in their mind. It lands in their soul. And your words, God uses the construction business. He said you're either building or tearing. So in other words, like your words are building things in people's life or you are tearing them down. And they're these words of construction. And that's why Proverbs comes along and tells us this. The tongue, it has power. And it's the power of life and death. And those... Who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, the Bible is telling us that there is no neutral word. Like there is no neutrality in your words. You're either speaking words of life, and if they're not words of life, they're falling into the category of words of death. And so what we have to do today, and I'm asking you to go there with me, and it's your choice. I've had to go there all week long, and I know I will still be there even after this service ends. But I want you to consider taking personal inventory and not resisting God. It's amazing how we, we come to places like this and we resist God. But the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So don't resist God if you feel convicted. That's a good thing. God, conviction is this. Hey, there's a better way. Follow me. It's not condemnation when your heart's being stirred. Condemnation says you're wrong and there's no hope. But the Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, what we're doing is not really great, but I'll show you the way if you'll follow me. So don't reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the service like this. Is that fair? Okay. So the Bible says life and death and you will eat its fruit. In other words, there's consequences to your words, whether you believe they're costly or you believe they're free, wherever your belief system lies, there's consequences. In other words, what you sow in words, you will reap and eat those words. So if you sow discord, you will reap discord. 
If you sow slander and gossip and complaining and, and just talking about people behind their back, if you sow those things, I have to tell you what's going to happen because I'm a pastor. And that's what I do. I point us to Jesus so that he can transform us from the inside out. There's going to be consequences to the words you speak. You will eat the fruit of your mouth. And so this is a big deal and why we have to talk about it. Because words aren't free. But we are. Galatians 5 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yay! And as a country in America, we're free. Is anybody thankful they live in America? It's not perfect. No one's making that case. But I don't want to live anywhere else. As a matter of fact, we're approaching Independence Day, which made me think about um, the Declaration of Independence. And so here's a little blurb from it, uh, just so we are a little history class. Here's what it says. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator. Meaning only God gives us rights and purposes, not government. We honor government. We honor authority. But God is our, the one who endows us. And he endows us with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, I love our country. I'm red, white, and blue all day long. We just had Memorial Day. We honored those who have paid the ultimate price for our country so that we could have that freedom. That's not my point. My point is to say sometimes we can live for America more than we do heaven. And we can think just because I can legally say it that I should say it. Can I say something to us just how I'm feeling it? Just because I can say something under the freedom of speech doesn't mean I should say something. This is what's wrong with social media. We got the keyboard cowboys. I don't know if they dance like that, but... Right? And we just begin to vocalize and speak words of death and, well, I don't think that. And my preference is known. And it's just creating toxicity. And now people know more about what the church is against than what the church is for. And if we don't have our words edifying and speaking to the good news of Jesus Christ, it's not bad news. The gospel is good news. And I'm asking us today, are we speaking good news? Are we speaking a false gospel and allowing our words to line up differently? Because here's the thing for Christians. If you're not a Christian, we're so glad you're here. We encourage you to make that decision. Join the journey. Nobody's arrived. It's not a destination. Until Jesus comes back or we go to him, we're all in process. We're all growing here, but we invite you into this. But if I can speak to those who've given their life to Christ for a moment, you not only are a citizen of America as a Christian, you're now a citizen of heaven. And Paul says, your citizenship is in heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. So we now have a different set of mandates that we're submitting our life to. And I honor freedom of speech. A lot of sacrifice of men and women have gone into providing that right. And God has set that up. And praise be to God for America. But we have to know as Christians, just because I can legally do something doesn't mean I should. Because I can have freedom of speech and a bound heart. And that's not what God wants for us. It would be the same type of logic to say... Because prostitution is legal in Nevada, it's okay. Would anybody even make that case? No. 
of course not. But we, we make the case with our words. We justify how we talk and how we live our lives and the fruit that comes from our mouth. And I'm here to say just because it's legally right doesn't mean it's spiritually right. Our words have a price to them. They're costly. And that's why the Bible says in Psalm 141, set a guard over my mouth, Lord, because you need him. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 39 says it this way, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. Now, I did a favor for you. I checked Amazon, and there are plenty of muzzles if we want to. As a matter of fact, when you leave today, I'm just kidding. But seriously, you, you see the language, the severity, the Bible, like muzzle it. Like shut your mouth if you ain't got nothing. Did your parents ever tell you that? If you ain't got nothing good to say, then shut your mouth. But sometimes we should still apply that truth to our life. That's number one. You got it? Number two, words can be hurtful. Have you ever been hurt by words? I have. Have you ever hurt anybody with your words? I have. Words, they can be hurtful. Have you ever said this? I probably shouldn't say this. And then you say it. It's like you had either common sense or hopefully it was the Holy Spirit going, no, no, batch down the hatches, put the guard in place, reel it back in. Then you do it anyway. It's amazing how we can get into that moment and say things and preface it with phrases and words that indicate you know better, but then you still go that route. And I have too. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 13, the one who is careful in what he says will have good come to him. You see the sowing and reaping? But the one who wants to hurt others, they're going to have trouble. I call it jabs and stabs. <laughs> I jab you, you stab me. And it just creates this cycle. Most evident, probably, in marriage. <laughs> Praise God. Husbands and wives, right? I say something. That was dumb, but I said it anyway. Where's the men at? Father's Day's coming. We're going to help you next week, but we're taking one for the team this week. But, but we, we get into that where we say, it. oh, I'm not going to get that back. In marriages, one, most of the time, one of the two are more verbal than the other. You got the stuffer and the spewer, right? You got the, it's true. It's true. It, it, and it happens. But, but what we can do, and I have to be accountable to this, is because um, I can be verbal, and God has given me words, and sometimes I don't use them for his glory, and you don't either. And we can verbally annihilate our spouse, the very one we're supposed to serve and care for with our words, or even be a little bit too harsh with our kids. We, we put the black belt on, and we just dice them up out of our anger or rage. Or, and that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, not in your notes, he puts backbiting and gossip and slander in the same list as sexual sin. Now, in today's world, we want to focus on sexual sin. And we should. we got to purify ourselves. We do, all of us. And, and, and I'm not just talking about the one category as if it's unpardonable by God, as if it's too hard for God to heal and redeem. No, no, no. I'm talking about any sin outside the confines of a man and woman in marriage. Anything outside of that is considered sexual sin. Clicking on website. It's all the same in God's eyes. But we want to focus a lot on that, but we never give any attention to our words, things on the same list. Wow. 
is that, wow, you see what I've been walking through all week for? <laughs> it's a big deal. And so what we have to expose is the lie that says, no, words don't hurt. Words, they don't have any meaning. There's no real weight to what I say. But watch this proverb. It says in 26, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was just joking. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said something with a wrong motive, but then played it off like you're just too sensitive? You, you, you just, uh, why are you so offended? You, I didn't mean it like that. We say it with a wrong heart, that evil that's coming out of us because we won't deal with what actually is going on. And so we spray it with our mouth, hurt other people, and then act like it didn't happen. And the Bible says you have to expose that lie. Words have a cost. Words hurt people. You cannot think your words are trivial and light. And that's why we have to deal with the sarcasm and the cynicism of just glass half empty, pessimistic views. Those are things that God would say, I do not want you to live under that mindset any longer. But we've all been there and some of us find ourselves there today and rightfully so because life has let you down. You've been disappointed and discouraged too many times to count. And now you've just adopted this nature of cynicism and sarcasm because it's a protectant. It's a false protectant to your heart that, that when the next letdown happens, because I was cynical about it and sarcastic about it, I can receive it a little bit easier. And God wants to allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in our heart and heal that area of our life, whether it was words we've spoken or words that have been spoken over us. I found this quote. It says, be careful with your words. Once said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Once they're out there, they're, you can't unscramble eggs. Once they're out there, they're out there. And hopefully the person you say them to will forgive you, but they are not God. They may not forget. And so my encouragement to us today, if we're caught up in a wordplay, we've gotten ourselves into some word drama, gossiping, talking about elected officials or and I'm not saying you got to agree with all of them you don't have to respect the person to honor the position God established authority and we need to honor that even though we may disagree with it me included but why why justify it why not just not defend it and own up to it that yeah I, I said it and I did mean what I said I didn't mean and I'm not going to defend it or rationalize it or justify it because I'm going to realize the scripture said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My words are a signal, signal of the condition of my heart. If I ever need to see where my heart is relationally with Jesus, I just need to listen to my mouth for a little bit of time. And you will be able to take inventory through your words because they signal there's a deeper issue that you're not dealing with and I'm not dealing with. My encouragement today is ask Jesus. It's kind of what he specializes in. It's amazing how we worship him, but when we need him to help us in our life, we live in this condemnation, like I can't show him this part. When he's sitting there waiting, hey, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm, I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm the great physician. I can heal your heart and purify your motives so that your words, the fruit that's coming out of your mouth, can line up with my word and the plan I have for your life, but you got to let me in. We want to not change the fruit. We want to treat the root. It, it's amazing how we try to externally just like put a muzzle as if that's going to work. And it may work for a day or two days. But if you 
Treat it externally, but you never get down to the core reason of why you're saying those things. It's only behavior modification. It's only a temporary fix. So my encouragement to us today is the words that we say to others. We need to repent of them. Let me give you some divine words you can say today to that spouse, that child, that friend, that coworker. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Period. We want to put a comma with some justification. But what if we just said to those that we owe some repentance to, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And what if we before God just asked Jesus, say, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you help me? Let me tell you what will happen. God will help you. God will come in in that moment and begin the process of healing your heart so that you can step into the life verbally and vocally that he wants you to have. I, I think it's interesting that the truth that words last, words last. Now, whether you've spoken some words to people that you need forgiveness of or check it out, most of us, I would say, I'd say all of us have had words spoken over us that were words of death. Maybe it was in the area of our greatest sin struggle. We've been labeled some things. Maybe we grew up in a critical household that never focused on what you were bringing to the table. They were always focused on what you're not. And it just felt critical and it felt lack and it put you in this tailspin of seeking the approval of people and forgetting that you're living for an audience of one. Because words last. The lie would be that words evaporate. I can just say it and it'll go away, but words never die. They never disappear. They live forever. And we have to be reminded of that truth. Here's what James says. He says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a great boast. Consider, that's what I'm asking you to do today. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. Or if you're from Alabama, hail. It's two syllables. Hail. That's not good. The tongue is small, but it makes a large impact. And the Bible says one spark can set a whole forest on fire. Here's my revelation out of this most recently. Sometimes we can say things with a meaningless heart and a lighthearted air. And it could just be one little comment that may not be the purest motive, but it wasn't as ill as the reaction proved it to be. And have you ever spoken something that you just cannot believe how disproportionate the reaction to what you said was? Yeah. It's because there's been some trees planted in their heart. There's been a forest of lies, some labels, some struggles spoken into their heart. And the power of life and death is in your tongue, and the tongue is is referenced here as fire. And so when you speak it, it sets the forest of those disappointments and those labels and those discouragements in their life. And then they come back at you with a jab and a stab. Are you with me? And maybe yours came from a parent or a teacher or a coach or a mentor. Maybe it came from a pastor. And I would encourage you to remember that words last. Maybe you've been falsely accused. Maybe Maybe that criticism, that gossip, the writer of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me as a liar. Words hurt. We need to remember that they last. It's like the uh, lawyer who helped the guy get out of the, uh, the theft 
case. He stole the car. And so after the trial was over, the man was acquitted based on the lawyer's ability to articulate words. And he, and he came to him afterwards, the, the client, and he said, hey, I, I, I just got to know. You're, you're acquitted. Okay, we got double jeopardy here. He can't. Did you do it? Did you steal it? He said, well, I thought I did, but after your case this morning, I think I didn't. <laughs> words are powerful. They can even change our mind away from the truth. And husbands and wives, just because I'm one of them, and because this exists most in this area, if you're always trying to win the battle, you're losing the war. Ma'am, sir, if you always have to have the last word, you're losing. You may win the disagreement, but you'll lose the spiritual agreement. That's the kingdom principle for spiritual flow. Where there's no unity, God doesn't bestow his blessing. The Bible says they gathered in one room and lifted their voices in one accord. Jesus' prayer in John 17 was that we would be one with him as he is with the Father. It's all about oneness. And let me tell you, when you have that discord and you have that slander and you try to win disagreements, you will lose spiritual agreement. And you wonder, we're tithing, our finances are right, our church, boom, we're doing the city group. We're doing all the things, but we're not getting the fruit. Could it be your words? I don't know. So what do we do? Those are some truths about words, but there's also hope in God's scripture. Is anybody thankful for that? Yeah. That good can come out of bad things, and God is notorious for taking bad, hard, unfathomable situations, and if we'll submit them to him, he will turn them around for our good and his glory if we will only trust and follow who he is. Because as words are costly, they can also be an investment. As hurtful as words can be, they can also heal. And although they last forever, we can make good choices and choose wisely. And I want to help us to do that with a very simple, I'd like to say it's profound, but it's not. But it is if you'll use it in your life. I want to give us three ways that we can change our words and change our life. If you're writing them down, number one, pause. You're like, what? That's it? Just pause. Like pump the brakes. Like look at your neighbor and say, hey, slow your roll. Seriously. Now, no elbow listening. You can't just be like, you, you. But we need to do that. We need to have this mindset that I just need to put a little, little, little gap in between that jab. I, I need to put a little, little time in between. And instead of reacting, I need to find out how I can respond. And that's what we do. We react to those sparks instead of respond to them. But we can overcome it in Jesus' name through his word and his power, but also by including a pause on our end. Here's how I do it, Brian. What you say next really matters. You do that. See if it'll help you. Because James says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. I can find myself very quick to become angry and very quick to speak. My dad used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth, son. Use them proportionally. You ever heard that? But we don't do it. The Bible says, hey, pause. Just time out. Is this true? Is it what I'm about to say? Is this loving? Is this helpful? Is this important? Is this encouraging? Because if it's not, it's probably too much talk. And we know what the Bible says about too much talk. It leads to sin. Be sensible 
I love scripture. And keep your mouth shut. Come on, say that with me. Keep your mouth shut. Don't look at your spouse. Look at me. <laughs> You're like, finally, a chance to say it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. We'll have to do a marriage conference after this. I, I love the truth of Scripture. J just what if, imagine, this is a reach. What if we just did what Scripture said? That's a novel thought. And just pause and allow the Holy Spirit, God's presence to get involved in that interaction before you react so that you can respond. Number two, write this down, ponder. They're all peas. <laughs> Sorry, it's easy for me to remember. Ponder. What does that mean? Think about it. The Bible says uh, Mary pondered all these things. She treasured them up in her heart. She gave some space not just to pause, but to ponder on all the things God was doing. And here's what we know about words. Not only out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Your words are connected to your heart, but they're also connected to your mind. Because as a man thinks, you are not what you want to be. You are the sum total of your most common thoughts. You are becoming what you're beholding, not what you're wanting. And we have to realize in this moment that we have to ponder and just give some space. Well, what do I ponder about? God's word. Call his word to trump your word. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, favorite verse, top of my list. For the word of God, it's alive and active. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's not a butter knife. And it does some things. That if we'll submit to it, it'll penetrate and separate the places where we're soulish and ungodly. And it'll bring about the places where we could be more like Christ, the spirit, the part of us that's like Jesus. And it cuts away joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. In other words, I don't just read it. It reads me. The, one of the metaphors of scripture is it's a mirror. And if I would just get into it every day, and I would just allow the Holy Spirit to do His work, it'll cut off that bitterness that's causing some negative words to come out of my mouth. It's going to cut off the shame of that sin that you've never been able to get over, that's creating drama in your marriage. It's going to cut away the slander and the gossip that someone has spoken over you, and you're now inevitably recreating into someone else. I'm asking you to Ponder. Ponder God's word. Read it every day. At the beginning of the year, we started a Bible reading plan as a church. And if you have one already, awesome. But if you don't, and if you haven't started well, you're right here at the halfway point of the year. Finish strong. Start now. Begin now. Start today. And begin to allow God's word to get in your heart. And if you store good things in your heart, the Bible promises eventually Eventually, good things are going to come out of your mouth. I think about Austin Butler. You may not know that name, but he's the guy who played Elvis in the, in the movie Elvis recently. You seen that movie? It's not a trick question from a pastor in church. It's like, should we? But here's what he said, because that movie was being filmed during the pandemic. And so he had to stay in character two times longer than most 
actors or actresses do. So he had to talk like Elvis for an extended period of time. He had to act like Elvis for a much longer time frame than he would have without the pandemic. And at the end of it, even after the movie was over and he won awards for it, people were like, dude, you're still doing the Elvis thing. And he says, I can't help it. It's in my DNA. It's now become who I am. And I thought about Jesus. What if, regardless of how we felt about it, what if we made a choice just to begin to talk like Jesus? What if we begin to make a choice just to begin to model and act and create our lives centered around his word? I'm telling you, if we got in city groups and just got involved and laid aside the shame and the fear of the words we're speaking, the words that's been spoken, asked for forgiveness, got a fresh start from Jesus, and just began to let his DNA permeate ours, what would happen in our marriage? What would happen in our parenting? What would happen in our faith life? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And if your ears are never hearing faith, your faith is non-existent. So we pause, we ponder, and we pray. We pray. That's our words to God. You see, you can't have a horizontal change without a vertical one. It's why the first two commandments are the only two commandments that are inclusive of one another. All of the other commandments stand alone by themselves. But the first two are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because the vertical impacts the horizontal. And you can't say you love God and speak ill of others. And you can't speak ill of others and expect to have a vibrant relationship with God. Our, our words are connected to our heart. We talked about that. Our words are connected to our mind. We talked about that. But your words are also connected to your eyes. The prophet Isaiah said it this way in chapter 6. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The one of the, then one of the seraphim flew with me, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. You see, when your eyes are open, your lips are exposed. But God never exposes you to expose you. He loves you. He exposes things that aren't good for you so that he can cover them with his love. And that you can receive forgiveness and a fresh start. It's what happened to Isaiah and it's what can happen to us. That the minute his eyes were open and he saw a king, he immediately recognized his shortcomings. But then the faithfulness of God came to his rescue and brought impurity in that moment. And that can happen to us today. Would you bow in prayer? I want to ask you to do something that may feel a little unorthodox. But as I was praying this week, I really felt like I saw it in my mind's eye. That we would just put a hand on our mouth or near our mouth if you're comfortable. I don't want to embarrass you and you don't have to, of course. But Would you just 
begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to me. What's God saying to you about your language, about your mouth, about how you speak about people? And maybe it's your boss. Maybe you have a bad one. I, I get that. That's, that's tough. But you still can be honoring. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, help me with my words. Help me with my language. I'm asking you to get involved. I'll pause. I'll I'll ponder. I'll pray. But I I need a supernatural work on my mouth. And Lord, don't just leave it there. Do it in my heart. Put your hand on your heart. Lord, touch my heart today. Touch our hearts at Palm City Church. As you touch the lips of Isaiah and he experienced life change, I pray now in the name of Jesus, we would experience a supernatural change from the inside out. We're not here for rhetoric. We're not here to check something off a spiritual to-do list. We're here to encounter the living God, the God who loves us. And we thank you for the deep work of the Holy Spirit today in Jesus' name. I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer because the Bible says that our hearts and our mouths are correlated. We've talked about that. But it's also the same path that you can take to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Paul said in Romans 10 that we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart God raised him from the dead. We will be saved. For it is with the mouth you confess and the heart you believe. They're correlated. As much drama as they can create in our lives, they also are the pathway of freedom. They're the pathway of spiritual growth. And if you're here today and you need to make a commitment to Christ... Maybe it's the first time, maybe you've been here before, but you've stepped away. I want you to make a confession with your mouth, and we're all going to say it together so that you can have privacy in this moment. This isn't a ritual. This isn't between a pastor and a church. This is between you and God. So you need to mean it. Say this, I confess. I confess my sin, Lord. I confess my shortcoming. I confess the words I've spoken over people. I confess forgiveness to the ones who've spoken them over me. Come on in your heart, release them right now. And today, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. I confess you as my Savior. I believe God raised you from the dead and that now I can have forgiveness of my sin. I confess I will follow you in good times and in bad. Today, I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys so much. Come on, let's give God praise together.